Welcome back to School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, joined as always by Matthew Chandler. And uh, we got a lot to talk about on this episode, Matthew. Uh, obviously, uh, a bit of an up and down week as an Everton fan. But before we get into that, how are you doing today? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, the, the highs of, of Wednesday feel like a lifetime ago now, quickly followed by the kind of inevitable crushing disappointment of Sunday. But um, it gives us a lot to talk about, I guess, and a lot of sort of variety of uh, mood and content anyway. So, Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it, it does feel like a lifetime ago. It feels, feels like <laughs> all the energy and the, the uplifting that we had from that match was kind of taken away pretty quickly there on Saturday and we'll, or excuse me, Sunday, and we'll get to that. But let's start with the, the good. Uh, Everton beating Tottenham in extra time, five to four. Uh, crazy game all around. There was three changes uh, to the lineup from uh, the United draw. Mina was in for Holgate, Sigurdsson for Gomez, and a Wolby for Rodriguez. Um, just a very weird back and forth game. Obviously, Davidson Sanchez opens the scoring four minutes in. Then Calvert Lewin gets on the score sheet followed by Richarlson just a couple minutes later and Sigurdsson just a few minutes after that. Everton had three goals within seven minutes. We thought, okay, we're up 3 nothing. It was, you know, we were rolling. And then just before half, Eric Lamella puts a, a ball in the net uh, to make it 3-2, to two, and that kind of changed the trajectory of everything coming into the second half. Davinson Sanchez gets his second, and then Richarlson puts everything back up for 3 Kane, of course. Of course, didn't start, but had to score if he came in the game. Scores in the 83rd minute, and then, of course, the Bernard goal in the 97th is what was the difference in this one. Uh, like I said, Matthew, a crazy, crazy game. Um, poor start, but uh, recovered well before halftime, right, Matthew? Yeah, although I felt <laughs> that 3-1 was a very flattering scoreline when, when we met with 3-1 off because um... – you know, I think Tottenham were probably Tottenham was the better team. I thought up until we equalised, um, goal because well, I think it's well hit by Calvert Lewin, but I think Hugo Lloris will be disappointed. Um, but you know, I mean, we showed good character to come back from that. Um, Charleston took his goal really well. Whether it's a penalty or not, it may be a bit debatable. Um, I don't know. What did you think of the penalty? I'm kind of undecided on it. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it. I think it made sense. I mean, I guess if you see some of the other decisions on the weekend, uh, maybe yeah. like the United decision. Although, I mean, I don't know if if it was determined a penalty in the United game, uh, if it would have just been called offsides anyway. But um, but yeah, I think it was a penalty. But I can, you know, it's hard to tell because like the inconsistencies that we've seen kind of throughout the yeah. I, th- I felt. Yeah, I mean, by by the way that we see decisions go now, yeah, it probably wasn't surprised. I was very <laughs> very glad to see it given, um, but I didn't feel like we deserved to be three one up. Although obviously from there, you looked to kick on, and I think I think what changed the course of the second half was really Lamella's. Was it Lamella's goal on half time? Yeah, um, which again was I thought Yerry Mina had a poor game and. Against Tottenham, uh, I know again he's been one of our best players season, but I think the way he let in uh, Lamella that goal was um, really a turning point in the game. It was really disappointing defending, and, and like I said, if we go in three-one, the game is is not over by any means, but it gives Tottenham such a mountain to climb going into that second half. Three-two just you know restores their belief. Is a right is a kick in the nuts right at the end of the first half for us. And, yeah, and then like it, to change it, change the course of the game after that. Yeah, and um, it, it just kind of, you know, you go in three one, and and you, it's just you talk about it. You're up three one. Two goals is obviously a much different situation than being up just one. Um, and you kind of get a little breathing room after the crazy first half. Like you said, I mean, I personally. I felt like I could see Everton scoring goals. Like even when we were down one nothing, it looked like we had the opportunities to score goals. Just there were some just terrible, terrible passing in the final third. Um, 
but eventually it got figured out and we kind of opened those floodgates and we scored a few goals there in, in towards the end of that half. But you're right. After, after the, the, the Melamela goal, it, it changes the trajectory of everything and it becomes, you know, a much closer game going in a half than it probably could have been. But in fairness to Tottenham, it probably should have been that close. I guess you could say. Um, yeah. I think it was, it was a fairer reflection of how the first half went. Mm-hmm. But from our like own selfish point of view, you know, it's it's galling to see you know, pretty elementary mistakes like that. But I think you know you don't want to be too critical because we still went in winning. Yeah. We took our chances well when they came. I thought, um, like you said, the second half and just carry on the same vein really, sort of back back and forward, back and forward. Um, Health skeleton football match, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, listen, it, I, I, you know, criticism, obviously, I mean, from our point of view, you're right. I mean, it's, we won the game, so there's not, you know, it's not too much to be upset about in this situation. But, you know, from a coaching standpoint, I, you know, there were things to work on here. And, you know, I think it's fair to say that maybe some of those things showed in the um, Fulham match or, or will show in, in, in future matches that if they don't get fixed. So, you know, kind of a you know, you know, you win. So I've always thought, you know, sometimes I've seen this situation, the loss doesn't help, but you know, sometimes for teams that are on a little bit of a run uh, in like a regular season, you know, a loss helps just so they can look at all the things that they're not doing well, because there are always some, there is always something. Um, but, you know, in this situation, you know, from our point of view, just happy Everton won this game. It was very back and forth. Like you said, very helter skelter, you know, it was just very, it was a fun game to watch if you're not a fan of Everton and Tottenham. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, really good game. I mean, entertainment-wise, maybe not from a defensive standpoint, but we'll, maybe we'll get, to, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, first, let's talk about Sigurdsson, though. Three assists and a goal in this one. He was fantastic. What were your thoughts on him in this one, Matthew? He played really well. I mean, I think... But I think that is the role that we set up this last week. But I think playing further forward definitely suits him uh, rather than that deeper role that he has played at times. Um, I don't know whether, again, I don't want to be negative, but was it him who who lost? Was it Sanchez for the goal? I think the, sort of set, the I know, second one, he was basically yeah. tackling Davidson Sanchez. I, I think he was on Davidson Sanchez the whole game. So I didn't see the first goal. I came in like, yeah, and so I didn't see the first goal, but the second goal he was basically tackling Davidson Sanchez before yeah. Davidson Sanchez got a um, Yeah, but then that just shows again, doesn't it, that tackling isn't his forte, and, and that's he's not suited to that kind of position or skill set. But going forward, it was brilliant. I mean, the 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 winning the chip for Bernard's winner, where he just laid it on a plate for him, was fantastic. Very calm from the penalty spot. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's just you, you want that. You want more consistency from six something, don't you? Which it does feel like he can have a great influence on some games, but then in other games he goes hiding, or is is um, you know too peripheral maybe. Yeah. But he, you know, he came good for us on this one, which I think, like we often say about these cup games, like these are ones that certainly Evertonians most want to win because of how long we've gone without a trophy. So. <sighs> I'm glad he turned up in this one more than most of the games. Um, I thought, apart from Sigurdsson, I thought, um, I thought Tom Davies was was excellent again. Um, really, kind of took more authority in, in midfield than we've seen of him mm-hmm. recently. Um, very progressive, always kind of looked to get him going forward. Um, thought the Corey, as usual, was was superb. That kind of box to box driving force. Yeah. Um, the other, the I probably point out is is Olsen, just because I felt a bit sorry for Olsen in this game because I actually thought he had he had a pretty reasonable game. He made two or three fantastic saves, especially in the first half, and yet he ends up conceding four goals just because Everton were just slack at defending set pieces or you know Mina's individual error for Lamella's goal. Yeah. Um, just letting players run off them again. Um, which was an issue in the Fulham game that we'll get onto a bit, but there, there was, you know, it was not a, it was not the perfect performance by any means, um, but it was, 
it was it was fun, I guess. And you know, um, Ancelotti said afterwards that you know we conceded seven goals in this game in United, but we'd be a lot more worried if we hadn't scored eight, which I guess is a fairly you know good way to counteract that. Um, obviously, things to work on from this game, and pleased pleased for Richarlison that he. He looked. The Charleston, by the way, looked a lot better. I thought playing centrally. I don't know. I don't know what you thought after was it after Calvert Lewin went off. He kind of moved centrally. I know his, his first goal, even when yeah. Calvert Lewin was still pitch, came from like a more central position, didn't it? Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I thought he. You know, I thought Richarlison. This was a game for me for Richarlison that was, and and obviously this comes before the Fulham game. But after this game, I thought you know maybe this is the one that flips the switch for Richarlison and starts to make it you know, where he starts to get back into form and starts putting, you know, attacking defenders in the right way and making good decisions and kind of, you know, being himself again, obviously with the Fulham match, we, you know, maybe not so much, but um, I thought he was much, much better in this game. Yeah. And I thought, um, you know, Bernard as well, Mm -hmm. I thought took his time to get going when he came on, but so often we see Bernard kind of, you know, when he's been brought on, just barely get involved or get get marginalised or you know not make any impact at all from the bench, which I think is why a lot of people were calling for Anthony Gordon to play before he got loaned out or you know Alex Iwobi. Um But he he like I said, he wasn't necessarily you know electric straight from the the from the word go, but he took his goal really nicely and mm. um, you know if he can make more contributions like that, then I think he's still got a place. I felt like most people were quite glad Bernard stayed on the whole. I get like his wages is obviously, you know, it's not, doesn't correlate with his kind of on pitch, uh, you know, productivity or output. But I think at least for the rest of the season, I think probably Bernard is still probably a better option than Anthony Gordon would have been to bring off the bench. So Gordon, you know, obviously goes out and gets more minutes of Preston. So, which he's um, been doing well at apparently. I, yeah, first well, he, he were... played first game and he did well. He got injured, or but um, Bernard, I think, still has a still has a role to play. And yeah, like I said, if he comes on and just does that more often, then you know he, he's worth keeping around because um, that's what he's good at. He's kind of you know getting in the right positions and. It's a damn product that needs work, doesn't it? But as it's a lovely finish for the goal, and then after that, it did feel like we kind of weathered the storm because up to, up until then it had been really kind of back and forth game, like you're saying, where like you score, we score, you score, we score. I feel like the Bernard goal was kind of I, don't know, I can't really, I can't really remember much happening after the Bernard goal. It felt like it didn't yeah. really have to weather too many storms. It felt like sort of calm down after that and the way we saw the game out in the end was not comfortable but just professional thing yeah no no absolutely um on Bernard I mean right now I think he's our best you know probably you know obviously depending who's on the bench um but from our typical bench players you know I think he's probably our best attacking option off the best bench or at least he's much better off the bench than he is starting I don't, I don't think he's a um I don't. Th- I think yeah. we've we've talked about this multiple times. He just he just doesn't fit in that starting role. He he kind of gets tired after, or it seems he gets tired, and kind of we you lose him after a little bit. Uh, but he you know coming off the bench, he can be good if he like you said if he performs like that. So, um, you know, hopefully, um, you know he can just continue that and continue to be kind of a nuisance off the bench for us. Um, he might have to start a couple games if <laughs> injuries keep piling up. Well, like well either that or if you know Richarlison can't put together like a good winner form. I know I take yeah. your point about him starting, but maybe that's something you look out swapping. Yeah, that's fair. Richarlison for Bernard, or maybe Josh King for Richarlison. Even. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, I guess we'll talk about this in the Fulham game. I guess Josh King is a little confusing me right now. But um, in terms of his yeah. position, like in where he plays best, but yeah, you're right. I think Richarlison, we're you know, we might have to have a conversation about him dropping him sometime soon if he keeps, you know, if if, yeah. if these games aren't one off, don't start becoming his normal like they used to be, and they you know continue to be kind of one offs here and there. Um, 
the big worry, and I guess the biggest thing in this one, which Pete also mentioned in his five telling stats, um, the defending set pieces and specifically defending corners in this one, three goals conceded from corners, um, which was atypical, I guess you could say, for Everton this season. I feel like on the defending set pieces have been pretty good thing for Everton. What what went wrong in this game, Matthew, uh, for Everton defending these set pieces? I don't know, because like you said, it's not something that has been particularly... I think Everton have been better at that mm-hmm. this season, really. It's been more kind of individual errors that have let them down. Yeah. Um I don't. It's. I don't know. It's hard to put your finger on, it, isn't it? Because let's say we're just cold, you know, like Ancelotti was. <laughs> His tea. Yeah. Um, I don't know because you you would think you would you'd look at that team and think you know Michael Keane, Yerry Mina, Abdullah Zakore, even Dominic Calvert-Lewin if he's back defended. You know, Everton have got pretty tall, imposing players there. I know. I know Tottenham do. I know it's very sort of. Uh, Quinstead to the Everton to concede two goals to Davinson Sanchez. <laughs> we think it's called once in his last like 250 games or something. Yeah, yeah. But I think a lot of set pieces, set piece defending is just down to concentration and being switched on. And I think we do see with Everton these kind of lapses in concentration a lot, these kind of brain farts, uh, rather than any sort of lack of you know, organization or you know, tactical awareness or anything like that. It's just individual mistakes. I think that was the same here. I don't think it's a common, particularly common trait. I know we can see the one against Man United, but again, that was more from Olsen getting his feet mixed up, wasn't it, for the McTominay yeah. header. Yeah. Um, it's not something that seems, seems to plague us all season. Um, so I'm going to be fairly positive and, and optimistic and say this was just a one-off. Because um, like I said, I don't think Everton particularly set up badly from, mm. you know, if any of the set pieces are just individual, individual switched off or, you know, lost their man, which I guess is rectifiable. I mean, it's just a case of concentrating and, and positioning, but um, certainly it seems to be a killer seal in this game. Yeah, it definitely did. Um, you know, obviously, like you said, Donaldson Sanchez scoring two goals in this one was. If you had that one, um, you should probably play the lottery. Um, that's how unlikely that was. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think it was just a one-off. I think I think a lot of people were surprised at how kind of crappy the, for lack of a better word, the uh, the the piece defending was. But yeah. I think I think it'll get better, and I, I think I think they'll, you know, I, I think it's just a one-off, like you said. Um, Final thing, Man City is is next in at home in the quarterfinals. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, oh, yeah, yeah. could 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 have been a better draw, but yeah. um, I mean, you got to beat the best to win win it, right? You know. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind playing Man City because for a number of reasons. Um, firstly, I, th- I think we were probably going to end up playing them anyway mm-hmm. if we're going to go all the way. Yeah. And I'd rather play them now just to save us getting our hopes up for like, you know, a final against Man City. Uh, and also I think Goodison is a smaller pitch than Wembley and obviously it's Everton's home ground. So even if it's empty, which, you know, by a month's time, maybe maybe we'll be allowed like 2,000 fans in, I don't know. But even if Goodison is empty, I think I'd rather play them there and then than at Wembley in late May, yeah. um, or mid-May, whenever it is. Um, I also think it will help um, maybe just... Yeah, I just I just think you know, we're going to have to play them, and if you want to win it, you kind of have to beat the best. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's not... I do obviously. I would love Evans to win a trophy, but it does feel kind of less or kind of diminished this season because it's all behind closed doors. So, I guess it's kind of maybe slightly harder to get excited about it this year, like a cup run and a day out Wembley and whatever. So, 
you know, if we're going to go out, we may as well go out fighting to Man City rather than, say, losing to Millwall again or uh, Oldham or Shrewsbury again or, or <laughs> Liverpool's reserves. So. No, yeah. I don't, I don't really mind who wants it. Also, I was, you know, when we beat, when we got to the FA Cup final um, under David Moyes in 09, we beat Man United, who was in, that was in April, and they were still on to win like every trophy they were they were in. Um, you know, we beat Chelsea, who you know, had a terrible season that year, but still, you know, got had very good individual players like Hoster and Hazard then in 2016 in the quarterfinals. So um, we were always going to have to play like these kind of games. And, and I think it's probably, if we beat Man City in the quarterfinal, I think that should serve as inspiration for the semi-final and the final as well, knowing that we've already beaten a team. You know, we, we will play in the semi-final and final teams who are not as good as Man City. So if we've already beaten Man City, why can't we beat them as well? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think this is going to sound, I guess, a little weird to say, but, you know, I think you're right in the sense that, like, you know, playing Man City this early, if you lose, you lose, you get it out of the way, you're not playing any more cup matches, and you just focus on getting into Europe. Um, you know, if you win, like you said, it's, it's you know, a good boost and a confidence boost going into Wembley. When you know we'll probably have to play Manchester United for the fourth time this season, um, but um, but it'll definitely be a confidence boost um, in that situation. We're going to get a nice look at Man- Man- Manchester City this week. Um, but also, also Man United have got Leicester, so that's one of those true, two teams. True, 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 true. Yeah, one of those will um, go out. Chelsea got Sheffield United, who uh, yeah, we've beaten both of those teams this season. And Bournemouth, and have, Bournemouth, uh, Southampton is you know I would I would happily I know we wouldn't be playing Southampton soon, but I, you know the way Southampton are going at the moment, they don't they don't look a particularly terrifying team. No, um, yeah. I know I know Bournemouth did the double over us last year, but they're also a championship team. So. Without their two top scorers think, from the season, yeah, before. I think so. I think, like I said, if we beat Man City, I don't know really why we should fear anyone else. Um, yeah, no, I I think. Um, if we beat Man City, I think that is um, kind of speaks to the possibilities of this season and possibly winning, winning a trophy this season. And, and you never know because Man City will have, you know, probably Champions League. They have the League Cup. Yeah, I don't to play that. I but. think they have a they have the second leg of the Champions League um, against. I think Mönchengladbach they're playing. Yeah, I think Mönchengladbach is is which. I mean, they might not have yeah. to put in much into that one because their coach just... No, but their, their second leg is like the midweek before... Yeah, yeah, yeah. ...was the final, so... Which is, yeah, um, which is good. Whereas that's that's far, though, weeks. isn't it? Am I wrong? Hey? Hey? Not, not to get off on a tangent, but isn't that far? Because they're playing the first leg this week, right? Oh, in Budapest. Yeah. Oh, no, no, the first leg's next week, I think. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. I think. Um, um, but, yeah, I think Evans should have a free week that week, so... Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the other thing. We're we're gonna get a, a nice. Uh, well, hopefully, yeah. wherever they put Aston Villa's game, we're gonna get a good flow of games where we're not playing every three days and we're playing, you know, once every week, <laughs> which will be nice for yeah. once. Um, so hopefully that helps us get healthy and whatnot. So we'll see. Um, obviously, the other big thing from this game before we move on, which we'll talk about in uh, the Fulham game after the break, Dominic Calvert Lewin injured in this game. Um, yeah. Which we'll talk it was, about. In it was weird because I thought we coped okay without him after this game. I did too. Yeah, I, I honestly was surprised yeah. at how well we played without him. Yeah, and yeah, as we'll talk about in the Fulham game, we we looked awful and yeah. one out of idea. We didn't even look one dimensional. We looked out of completely out of ideas. Yeah. So I don't. I think I think Dominic Calvert Lewin in some ways is. Maybe our most important player now, even more so than Luca Dean. Maybe yeah. because our whole kind of attack seems to revolve around around him and how we how we support him, obviously. Yeah. Um. And this is a problem which Angelotti said today in his press conference that we found solutions to before, like against Wolves when we won without him or Richardson. 
But against um, against Fulham, we looked we looked totally toothless, didn't we? So um, it will be interesting to see who he plays up front in his absence tomorrow against Man City. But yeah, against Tottenham, I don't know if it's just kind of the adrenaline or the momentum pushed Everton on. But Charles took his two goals really well. You know, Bernard made an impact, like we said. Didn't really, didn't really seem like it faced that much Calvert Lewin going off. Yeah, no, it definitely didn't. But um, but yeah, we'll talk a little more about how it impacted Everton in the full match uh, after the break. Um, like I said, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, back with um, a little review of the Everton Fulham match. Obviously, the Toffees losing two nothing to Fulham at home. There were five changes from the Spurs win. Uh, Holgate was in for Keane, Coleman in for Mina, um, Gomez for Wobi, Rodriguez um, also came in, and then Sigurdsson as well for Calvert Lewin. Um, in typical. Everton fashion, um, it was another wretched home defeat, never mind the fact that I think it's Josh Maha is his name. Um, he was the player. Maja. Maja, yeah. Uh, he was the player that um, Fulham uh, decided to sign after they couldn't sign Josh King because Everton signed him and naturally scored his first two Premier League goals against us at Goodison. So, um, like I mentioned, a terrible, terrible home defeat especially after that, that win on Wednesday and you expect the team to have kind of a little adrenaline and momentum going forward. This killed all that. Um, let's start with the team selection, though, um, or really what was wrong with the whole game, Matthew. What was your opinion on this one? I thought it was complacent. I thought um, it was, it was, there was too much of an imbalance and it just seemed like Everton – Expected just to turn up and walk to three points, um, and that Fulham wouldn't pose any threat, um, which is which is bizarre when you consider Ancelotti called Everton lazy against Newcastle, and he picked a similarly, you know, similarly sort of, um, I think lopsided team as the word I used. There was no kind of, no apart from Tom Davies and apart from Tom Davies, I don't think anyone really offered any kind of industry or tenacity because Decore looked knackered after playing 120 minutes. Um, Gomez looked, you know, just weary and drained again. Um, you know, Richarlison didn't press. Sigurdsson looked shattered as well. Um, I just felt it was just... I, I felt we didn't pay Fulham enough respect. felt like, um, you know... They are, they're not, Fulham have so much to play for because they're still obviously fighting for their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to win just to keep them competitive because of how far adrift they've been. But it was as if Everton didn't sort of acknowledge that. It was just like, well, we always beat Fulham at home. Well, they're in the bottom three. We're in the top half. Um, you know, we don't have to put in as much effort into this one. But we can get, or we can kind of get away on, on, the, on, the, on the hoof of it. Um, I mean, I guess the only thing you'd say is who else do you play? Because we don't have many other options in midfield at the moment. We don't have many, many other options in defence. Don't have any real other many other options up front. Um, I thought. I think one of the problems is um, there was too much change in certain parts of the of the team and not enough in others. Like I said, I felt. He could have maybe maybe played Allen if he was fit. I know he's on the bench, so how, how fit he was, we don't know. Um, but I mean, for the me, the defense was just—we you know we haven't won a game without Yerry Mina this season. Um, as and as similar as he and Michael Keane are, that seems pretty obvious to be our best partnership in central defense. I think Ben Godfrey's obviously been fantastic this season, but um, he and Mason Holgate together are not. Ready to be a part, partnership yet because I think both of them, you know, don't have neither of them have maybe enough experience, the kind of similar levels. So, which which, which one leads the other? 
Yeah, um, I, I think also in fairness, you know, Michael Keane and Yeremina didn't work at first either. It would take time, but I'm not sure no. we have that yeah. that time to waste <laughs> with trying well, I think, and Godfrey. Yeah, but I, I think I understand why he's done a lot of rotating because there's yeah. so many games. Yeah. Well, I, I think maybe he would be. I mean, who are we to question to tell Angelotti what to do? But <laughs> I do think maybe we would be better served just sticking to an eleven for as much as we can uh, that works. And for me, that would involve Keane and Mina. And maybe yeah. Hol- maybe Holgate and Godfrey. I think one of them would play right back because obviously Luca Dean has to play left back. Yeah. But for me as well, I think Seamus Coleman is a big problem now because I don't I don't really see what he offers. Um, offensively or defensively, he looks he looks over the hill. I think even Holgate offers more going forward than he does at right back. Having said that, I, I thought Holgate was really disappointed. I thought it was really, really disappointed with Holgate in this game. For um, the second game in a row, because he had a disappointing game before in, United. in the Man United match. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this, uh, I mean, I like Holgate, and I think. He's not, you know, you don't suddenly become like a championship level player. Yeah. Um, he's certainly good enough. But there's just this weird kind of complacency about him or I don't want to say like attitude or arrogance, but this, you know, maybe I'm nitpicking, but I, I don't like the way he kind of he's chewing his gum as he comes out or it's a bit sort of slapdash. And, you know, like Godfrey going full-blooded into tackles and got him. Holgate seems a bit more half-hearted at times. Yeah. Um, and I know it wasn't him against Tottenham who did this, but Fulham's, Fulham's first goal is, if I remember rightly, pretty much a carbon copy of Harry Kane's goal against against us. And you know, a cross comes in. Yeah, it was cross right across we, the net. Yeah, we we lose the we lose the guy who scores the goal, and he just taps into an empty net. Yeah. Holgate lost Magic. You know, I, I mean, Magic did well to make the space for himself, but you look at Holgate and think, you know, he's played enough games now. I know he's young, but he's played enough games down the Premier League to know what, to know how he should be be, be dealing with that. Um, so I am I'm worried about Holgate because, like I said, um, he really came on last season. Obviously, had the knockback with the injury. I mean, people are talking about him as like the next Everton, Everton captain this time a year ago. Yeah. Um, and I can see why, but I don't know whether it's just been like he's been outshone by Godfrey because Godfrey's come in and made such a great first impression. But um, Or maybe it's just that there wasn't a lot to look at last year in terms of, you know, especially towards the end of last year. You know, I think Holgate stood out maybe because yeah. some of the other parts of the team weren't as good. But I, I understand what you're saying. I, I feel like, you know, has Holgate been this bad the entire season? No, but I feel like he's taken a step back on the season as a whole. You know, I feel like, you know, even when he does play well, it's still not to the best or what we maybe saw from him in the past. Um, but you're right. I think it does feel a little lackadaisical as well. Um, it just – there, there's he just it seems to get beat a lot especially when he's playing right back, which obviously he's out of position at right back, but just seems to be getting beat a lot, losing players and whatnot. And, and it seems like he's just not all there mentally. Just not in the I'm game. Not sure. I mean, he's out of position in terms of, I think, where he'd prefer to play. Yeah. Well, I think his best games for us this season have been at right back, to be honest. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, know, I agree. I agree. I agree with that. I mean, Chelsea, I think it's fair Arsenal, to say that. Leicester, I think. You know, I think it's fair to say that maybe in some instances the best – games for Ben Godfrey have been at the outside back position instead of the center back position. Yeah, left back, yeah. So, you yeah, know. Um, go ahead. But he's not going to get in over Dean, is he? So No, no, no. Godfrey has to play for me just because of how much intensity he brings. Yeah, no, um, I, I think he, he has that attitude that is, you know, prototypically Everton, you know. But but I don't want to go ill. I don't want to sort of crucify Holgate because no, yeah. he's young. He's, he's, you know, he's, He's not young, young, but he's pretty ten. What is he? Twenty three. Yeah, I don't know. he's the same age as Calvert Lewin, I think. I think. Yeah. So people develop at different rates, and Holgate has had 
far more good games for us than bad games, I would say. Yeah. Um, so I don't see the point in jumping in on on a you know what is a pretty likable player most of the time. I just wish you'd cut this kind of slight arrogance or you know half-heartedness out of his game at the moment. Um, but like I said, we. Uh, I don't like really when people go kind of all in on on our own players just because. <laughs> we are supposed. I know we, we've all done it, but we are supposed to like support them, and and if they get better, it's better for Everton, which is better for us as fans. So, um, while Holgate hasn't been good lately, I would say I still have a lot of faith in him. Mm-hmm. Him rediscovering his old form, and also, you know, if he can't, then if he's not good enough to play for us, then I think he'll be sold. And it's up to him, isn't it? If he wants to stay and. You know, try and improve under Ancelotti, then it's up to him. Um, Ancelotti doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's going to keep picking him if he keeps underperforming, you know, and or wait for him to develop. You know, it's up to Holgate, really, isn't it? Yeah, no, I, I think for Holgate, also, I mean, there has been a lot of, um, a lot of inconsistency in in playing time and where he's playing. So, I, I think that that also could be. Uh, maybe a factor in how he's playing, but you're right. I think, you know, no, no time to go all in on him. He's had his good games. It's just recently he's had a bad stretch of form, which um, in fairness to him, he probably has earned, I guess, if you can earn a bad stretch of form. I think yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, as opposed to maybe, you know, a Richarlison who kind of has been on this kind of weird trajectory of form since the Liverpool match and when he got the red card. So, um, I mean, let's talk a little bit about attacking. Obviously, there was no real attacking outlet without Calvert-Lewin. We talked a little about this before the break, but, I mean, his playing style is just so different from, I think, the rest of the attacking options that Everton played in this game. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, (laughs) a little bit weird. Siggy was... You know, in that position, Richarlison, who was meant to be playing up front? Yeah, Did they make the right Higginson decision? Wasn't in that position. Higginson wasn't. I mean, he was by yeah, yeah, default. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't play like a striker, did he? He kept just retreating. Well, that, I think that's. I think that's a lot of the confusion. Is like, who was supposed? Was yeah. supposed, you know was Siggy supposed to be playing up front? Um, what were your know. thoughts on the setup up front and who was supposed to be playing up front and how that kind of worked out for Everton? Well, I thought Richarlison was, um, like you said, just incredibly disappointing again. Um, and the worrying thing I think about that is just people keep saying like, um, you know, once he gets the goal, he'll he'll kick on and he'll he'll be back to his best. But he has he has scored goals lately. Like he scored two against Tottenham, and then this, you know, he scored against Sheffield Wednesday in, in the away game at Leicester and. Hasn't really sustained that kind of form. So you know the constant, or the, the more constant, is the is the bad uh, games for Charleston. He touched the ball fifteen times, I think, in this game, which was the lowest for any outfield player. Yeah. Um, Even, I mean, I think, fairness, I think that's always last. His last touch in the first half came in the twenty-first minute. Yeah, I mean, in in fairness. Even when he does touch the ball recently, it just feels like he's lacking maybe some confidence or something because he's dribbling the ball all over the place and and you know it just feels like he's just kind of out of sorts. Um, you know, I just feel like he's just it just looks like he's not himself. It just look like he looks like it, it doesn't even look like Richarlison. You're not even seeing, I think, a lot of the talent that you're typically seeing from him or you've seen from him in seasons past. He looks like a, a shell of himself this season for the most part. Yeah, but I don't know why though, because he should have. You know, yeah, I don't know why either. I, like we we've discussed before about maybe, you know, I know he's very close, like family guy, and maybe you know I don't know whether it was, it was, I assume the restrictions at the moment stop him from going back to Brazil and things like that. Which I don't I think if that is affecting him, then that's natural and understandable. Yeah. Um, but he's playing with the best. He's playing with probably the best Everton team he's had since he's been there playing with like the most prolific striker that Everton have had since he's been here and he's been the best manager Everton have had since even long before he was here. So there are a lot of things going for, you know, 
it working to his advantage. The one thing I just don't like, I can take bad performances. And Richardson's work rate is normally very good, but it felt at times that it like, you know, if, if he lost the ball, it would be quite sort of a meek attempt to win it back against Fulham. Mm. Found it quite disturbing how, how much space we allowed their centre-backs on the ball as well. You know, Everton can't, I mean, I wrote about this, but Everton are not, Everton can't press really, can they? Yeah, not yet anyway, I think, without Allen anyway. There's no, uh, the only one who's really got a bit of bite in them, I think, is Decore. Yeah, I um, mean, I, I, in terms of the pressing, I, I mentioned this in the Slack group chat, and, and, and Brian, who, Brian Lewis, who's been on a couple of times, ha, had also mentioned it, um, or, or had commented on it as well. And I get that we can't press, but in a game like this, um, I guess what I was trying to say is, is more, you feel like an Everton with the attacking prowess that we have, even without Dominic Calvert-Lewin, it should be more waves of pressure going forward. And yeah. it felt like when we were losing the ball, it was just like, okay, we're going to sit back and invite pressure from Fulham. And in a game like this, where you're supposed to be the better team, you just want to see them attack more and just kind of, yeah. you know, apply the pressure and put, Pull them in a position where they are going to make a mistake, you know, rather than inviting the pressure and kind of just saying, all right, if we just, you know, play this out, eventually we'll get a goal. Yeah, but I, I would say that well, the one area where I would have sympathy for Richarlison and Amos Rodriguez, although I thought he was awful as well. Yeah. Um, just completely peripheral. Um, was it's quite hard, I guess or quite unreasonable to expect much of the ball as a forward if you're playing in front of a midfield that's basically bypass. Because I thought I thought, you know, the main reason Fulham won this game was because they just won they just absolutely battered us in midfield. I thought Harrison Reed for them was the best player on the pitch. Yeah. Um because he just ran a bit and ragged. And just cut just cut through us with, with Lamina, with Loftus Cheek. Um Everett just looked tired and Weary by comparison, and yeah, I, I I'm not saying Charles and Rodriguez Sigurdsson they didn't have good games, but the one area of sympathy I would have for them is that how much can you expect when you're getting no su- supply from a midfield because it's being overrun by a much more a much harder working yeah Fulham team. I mean, Fulham did have the advantage of not having played for eight days, whereas Everton have played twice since their last game. Including, you know, 120 minutes on Wednesday, but and and having seen quite a bit of Fulham this season, I I I knew it would not be as easy a game as maybe people expected because they've improved a lot defensively and they They probably don't, you know, they have competed. They compete. Fulham are very good at like they're they're not. I think last time they were in the Premier League, they they were kind of shambles and Mm -hmm. people ran over them. I don't think they've been beaten by anyone outside the top six for about three months. Um, don't think that they, they have lost a game by more than two goals since September or something. So I, didn't, I never thought this was going to be an easy game. I, I thought Fulham would make it hard for us. They also look like two bit better away from home. I watched them against Leicester and, and they were excellent there. Um, yeah. So... Uh, I could. I kind of half expected this kind of game. I was just worried about how Everton would match up to them, and they didn't really. Um, so, yeah, it's another. I would. I know. I keep saying this, and I don't, I'm not trying to make excuses for the players, but I really do think that. You know, I can't imagine we'd be this bad at home without, with you know, with without COVID being preventing us from going to stadiums. I just feel like. Yeah. And you know, I guess it's a little slip. You know, it's a little yeah. vice versa. You, we probably wouldn't be as good on the road if it wasn't due to COVID, too. So, um, no, but I think we would have more points than we do in a normal season. I think that's that's fair. Generally, because we were better away from home last season until COVID under Ancelotti. So I feel I feel like I feel like the away form would be not as good as it is, but probably <laughs> still an improvement. Yeah, but I just feel like Goodison can be a toxic place to to work and, and play but um, I don't think you feel like we can kind of throw that excuse out the window when you see Everton lose to West Ham Newcastle Leeds and Fulham I know West Ham are quite good yeah. this season but 
But still lose to like, lose, yeah, lose to Newcastle. Yeah, nine scoring. Yeah. yeah, no goals. So, um, I I just you know I I very much look forward to the day when we can all go and again and things seem a bit more normal. But uh, it, that, I also that doesn't that doesn't excuse a lower level of effort though, and I just felt that like yeah, just so complacent this game. The manager was complacent. Players were complacent. And in the end, we got what we deserved. So, I mean, like I said, Fulham, we are quite a basic football team, I think, for the most part. We do the basics well, though, in terms of, you know, finding our best cross with the ball, him crossing to our big, tall striker who's good at putting the ball in the back of the net. Yeah. You know, we have moments from Dean or from James Rodriguez or even Sigurdsson, which are very not very easy on the eye and very, very special. Mm-hmm. But I feel like most they're more kind of off-the-cuff moments or impulse moments. They're not kind of meticulously planned or anything like that. I feel like most of Evans good football just comes through quick, incisive yeah. thinking. Um, and, you know, we lost this game because Fulham did those basics better than Everton does, basically. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, on the fans thing, I think at, maybe after playing a game, 120 minutes against Tottenham, you know, we yeah. might might be a little difficult to get up for a game against Fulham, but the fans certainly would play a part in that when you hear the roar of the crowd against Fulham, and especially in the position yeah. that Everton's in after that win, that crowd would have been awesome and, and probably would have given that little boost of energy that maybe maybe this Everton yeah. might needed. But and also if you can play like that at Goodison against Tottenham in an FA Cup with round game. You know? It's yeah. Not, no, that's fair. It's very start fair. and end with Goodison. Yeah. No, no, fair. no, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's hard. Five goals. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, obviously Everton are playing, you know, what was that, our seventh? Well, Tottenham was our seventh game in 22 days or something like that, or Fulham was our seventh game in 22 days. Um, Probably. So, I mean, I think it's fair to assume that some people are tired, but like we've mentioned, Ancelotti is rotating the squad. It's not like these guys are playing every single one of these games. So... Um, I, I think w- the one question for me was, you know, you go out and you buy, which I, I thought Josh King was a striker. Maybe I'm wrong, but I was under the impression that Josh King is a striker. You go out and you buy a striker. Dominic Alverloon gets hurt. I, I just don't see any reason why you wouldn't start him in this game. I feel like he probably should have started in this game um, just mm-hmm. to have an, an out-and-out striker as opposed to moving Richarlison into the middle and, I understand that he did well for portions of that game against Tottenham. But, I mean, you go out and you buy a striker, I feel like if your striker gets hurt, your backup striker shouldn't yeah. have a chance to prove himself. I guess it depends on how fit Josh King is. Yeah, I, know he, I know he played the last few for Bournemouth, but he hadn't been that involved this season. Yeah. You know, the, the very little he has played for us so far. Uh, he, he actually took his goal. He, you know, I know he's offside slightly, but the finish itself was very good, very nice against Fulham. But he hasn't really looked sharp in terms of you know fitness. No, yeah, that's fair. Which is understandable. I'm not digging him out. He's but ba- you know he's barely been here. Came on against Leeds for five minutes, having not trained or only not even signed last yeah. two days earlier. So I'm not. It's not a criticism him at all. I think you've maybe got to be a bit patient with him. Um, yeah, no. So I could I I wasn't I have to say I wasn't massively surprised that he didn't start. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be more surprised if he didn't start tomorrow, because he's had more time, mm-hmm. um, and because of how dreadful we were without Calvert Lewin on Sunday. Yeah, yeah I, um, I would be surprised if he didn't start as well. Thing. Yeah, um, I would be surprised that as well. But I wouldn't expect too much too soon from him just because of his physical thing, probably. That's fair. That's fair. Um, anything else you want to hit on, Matthew? I know you talked a little bit about Everton's attempts at being too clever in the in the recap. Um, yeah. Did we did we hit on that, or uh, do you want to talk well, a little bit more on that? I just think uh, I say this a lot, but I do think you know, think we are a team that needs time. I think uh-huh. you know, by and large, we've improved in a lot of areas. A lot of individuals have improved in Ancelotti. And this was only his 50th game as Everton manager, so it's not like... I think anyone did expect us to be kind of the finished article by now, and maybe... I'm not Again, I'm not making allowances for this performance because it was wretched. 
But I do think when you take into account, you know, all the COVID caveats, the fact that we're still pretty early into this managerial reign, the fact that we've still got quite a few players we probably didn't want at the club, um, the fact that he's got Alan Calvert-Lewin out, Richarlton out of form, whatever, etc. Yeah. I do think we are about where we should be. And I say that just because I think there was so much excitement at the start of the season because of how we flew out the traps that that was going to be kind of the, the standard for the rest of the season. When actually, Everton are not as good as that. And um, we still have a long way to go. I feel more confident we'll get there under Ancelotti than previous managers. Um, but I think maybe good to maybe remind yourself sometimes that we are still you know, a work in progress and there are still a lot of rough edges to iron out. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's, listen, it's it's not, you know, I don't think it's, uh, you know, false or, or I don't think it's no. untrue to say that we have improved tremendously over the past season or in this season um, yeah. from last year. So, uh, but I think we've, you know, we've mentioned that on the podcast a bunch of times. We're not there yet. We're not that top level club yet. There's still depth issues and, and, and some, some things that need to get figured out, but we're getting there. And I think that games like the Tottenham match show you that we're in the moving in the right direction and games like the Fulham match show you that we're not there yet, you know? So, um, still work to be done, but, um, you know, that's no, there's no need to get, you know, I don't think there's a need to get discouraged about the progress. No, just by the I just think it's a reality. It's just a reality check more than anything. I think. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's there about where they should be. Yeah, exactly. But it doesn't mean you can't aspire to be better. I mean, West Ham are probably not where they should be because they yeah. shouldn't. By right, they probably they are not probably wouldn't expect them to be like the fifth best team in England. You can always, you know, there's no point following football if you don't hope for more. Or, yeah, you know, exactly. But I don't think it. The game in isolation is worth getting upset about because everyone were terrible. Yeah. The, the season so far, I don't think it's worth getting too upset about because we had more good good wins than bad defeats, haven't we? So, mm-hmm. As well. So just just in context, I think. Because it's very easy to be reactionary and you know have recency bias. Yeah. But in the main, I think, you know, to reiterate, I think we are getting better. Um, it doesn't feel like that after Sunday, but I think by and large, we're on the right track. Yeah, absolutely. I think we shouldn't lose sight of that. Absolutely. And I think a lot of it, um, you know, a lot of this one maybe stings a little bit more because Everton go and lose uh, when they had a chance to move up in a fourth on level on points with Liverpool, with Liverpool next week, two games in hand, albeit two very tough games. But, um, you know, I think that there was a lot of promise there, especially after Tottenham match. But like you said, um, we're making progress, but these these games are, are more of a reality check than anything else that that we're just not there yet. Um, let's take another quick break, but after the break, we'll do a uh, quick preview on Manchester City uh, tomorrow. All right, like I said, we're back um, talking Manchester City. Uh, that game we're recording on Tuesday, so that game's taking place tomorrow, Wednesday, February 17th at 8.15 over in England, 3.15 here on uh, the East Coast of America. Um, at the time of recording, City are top on points, uh, 53 points, um, seven clear of United in, you know, um, in second or in second with a game in hand over them. Um, they won their last 16 competitions, which uh, I believe is a Premier League record. Um, no, 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 no. I mean, they, they've won. I mean, they've won their last 16 in all competitions. I think the record is like 18 Premier League games in a row. Gotcha, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they've won, I think they've won what, 12 Premier League games in a row, is it? I think? Yeah, I'm, they've done a lot of winning recently <laughs> and yeah. haven't been behind in a league game since November, uh, which I don't know about you, Matthew, but that sounds pretty good. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess we'll see. <laughs> How much of a chance do Everton have in this game? They've got a decent chance because I think um, Everton, I always feel like the game, the game after the total utter meltdown, Everton normally, you know, bother to show up. 
I I remember when do you do you remember when uh we got beat by Wigan under Martinez 3-0 in the cup. Yeah, yeah. And then and then we played Man City the week after and won 2 0 and brilliant yeah. Well that's that's what Everton can be like. It can be disgracefully embarrassing one week and then you know perfect the next week. Um and also Antelotti pointed out in his press conference today, Everton's best home performances have been where they've had to defend a lot, like they will tomorrow, against Chelsea, against Arsenal, maybe even against Leicester when they pegged us back for a lot of that game. So, weirdly, I, I'm not saying I fancy Everton to win, but I weirdly feel more confident about this than the Fulham game. Um, but it will be extremely hard because... The Man City just seems to be running over everyone at the moment. They're not even. I know they've won a few games one 0 but you know they, they destroyed Liverpool. They destroyed West. Boston, they destroyed Tottenham. Really, they yeah. beat West Brom five 0 the other week. Um, I just think that Everton have to probably be pretty much perfect if they're gonna if they're gonna win this without yeah. Calvert Lewin especially. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I would yeah. say the worst in their favour is the fact that Gundogan's out because he's been City's best player this season. He's injured. Guerra and De Bruyne are out. You know they've still got Foden. They've still got. <laughs> That's Torres. the thing with Man City they're is they've got Torres. Yeah. So you know they have no shortage of strength and depth, but it's such, it's a hard game to call because I think Everton, like I said, normally. I'm con- I'm convinced if there was if you put Everton in a mini league of the so-called big six minus minus Liverpool, Everton would probably come in the top two in it because we're so good at these <laughs> like seeing out these games. And if you put Everton in a mini league with a bottom six, we probably come you know bottom two because yeah we have no idea how to win those games. Um, and also in fact if we drew this, I'd be very happy because. Oh, City is so rampant this, this time. They look so much better defensively, don't they? Uh, with Diaz and Stones. I know Diaz didn't play on Saturday, but um, he has transformed that defence. John Stones has got so much better. So, it's a very hard game. Um, but, Alan might be back. You know, that'll help. Um, Alex Awobi didn't play on Sunday, so... You know, I'd be tempted to start him because he could be fresh. I know he's been a bit more up and down lately, but by and large, he's been better this season. Um, and like I said, Everton, for whatever reason, maybe it's just a motivation issue or whatever, but when their back's against the wall, Everton seems to cope with it quite sort of stoically. So maybe, maybe. Yeah, Um I mean, the thing with City is just that they have, they're better prepared than any other team in the league in terms of facing a COVID season like this where uh, they have to play games week in and week out because they have a full starting 11 sitting on the bench that would compete with some of the best teams in the Premier League. So um, yeah. that's obviously the difficult thing. They're always going to be fresh. Um, I don't I mean, know. They haven't, they haven't had a free midweek since, since they, played, they were meant to play us in December. Yeah, and yeah, they've won all these games. So that yeah. tells you how how much quality they have in reserve as well. No, exactly, exactly. So, um, and, and and they have been without De Bruyne for the entire season, right? And they've been about Aguero. They've been out for the entire season. They've been without De Bruyne, I think, for about a month. Oh, month. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's um, it's been interesting. It, <laughs> it is, but it's kind of easier to I guess compensate for their absences when you've got people like Gundogan playing so well or Foden or yeah, Bernardino yeah, or whatever yeah. so, Rodri so yeah. um, I, they will win the league I'm pretty, pretty that's not particularly outlandish bet I don't think um, I, I think well, something else actually said today which is quite interesting was again just talking about this kind of longevity um he said that he thinks one of the reasons Man City is so good is because of how much time Guardiola has worked on them. 
because this is Guardiola's fifth season at City. And I think, again, that just hammers home the point that, you know, it's, it's, it is, it's, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. And if you remember Guardiola's first season at City, they were kind of very up and down. Got rid of a lot of players who didn't fit his style of play and, and took, took maybe a year to kind of refine that, the way he wanted to play with the right personnel. So these things do take time. I think maybe that's a good lesson for Everton as well. Terms of, you know, we are on the right track with Ancelotti, but it'll take a while yet to get where we want to be ultimately. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's a good lesson not only for Everton but for for a lot of other clubs and and not only Manchester City but their their uh, hometown rivals there, Manchester United. Obviously, Ole's been there for forever. It feels like, and he's lost his job fifteen times if you listen to the fans. Um, but they stuck with him, and now I mean, listen, Manchester United have had a tough couple weeks but they look better than they have probably in, in a while. So, um, you know, taking time and working on teams um, and giving, giving those managers the time sometimes, especially if they're top managers like a Guardiola or like Carlo Ancelotti, um, it's definitely going to pay dividends. Um, Alan and Pickford, you mentioned, um, might both be back for this one. Let's start with the goalkeeper situation. Are you swapping uh, Pickford back in for Olsen if he is uh, healthy and ready to go? No, because I would play Olsen against Liverpool because I don't think we can we can do without the kind of distraction of Pickford playing in the derby. Mm-hmm. Uh, so therefore, I would I think it makes sense to stick with Olsen for this one. I think Olsen has, like I said, I feel a bit sorry for him against Tottenham. Could he have done anything about either Fulham goal? Probably not. You know, I guess he gets a hand to the Harrison Reed shot, which is the post, but didn't have that much to do, really. It's just how, how tepid we were the other way, really. Um, I, don't th- I, I don't think there is a massive amount between him and Pickford, I think. When Pickford's at his best, I think he and Olsen are, you know, both good goalkeepers. Mm-hmm. Just that inconsistency, and I think for now... So for these next two games, I would stick with Olsen personally. But I would change that defence. I, I think our defence is what needs changing. I think Keane and Mina needs to come back in. Yeah. Holgate or Godfrey need to play right back. Um, probably Godfrey because of how poor Holgate was. And I would throw Alan in just because he looks so devoid of, of kind of that, that bite in midfield that he, he brings against Fulham. So if he's, if he's able to start then I wouldn't hesitate really because we need him. Yeah, no, I think um, I think you're right. I, I would stick with Olsen at least for the next couple games um, just because, like you said, with Liverpool, you know, Pickford's got those, um, you know, kind of, you know, the obviously what happened with Van Dyke in earlier this yeah. season and, and some of the other mishaps that he's had against Liverpool. So he's kind of got a mental block there, I'm sure. Um and um, I just think Olsen might just be better suited to just play these. And, and if Pickford is injured um, and not maybe 100%, you don't want him coming back in in a game like this against a top team who's going to put a lot of pressure on him as well. Um, you know, Allen, I think, you know, probably comes back in if he's healthy and 100% because, again, we need him. Um, any other changes, Matthew, you'd see? Um, I, th- I know we mentioned Josh King up top probably would be something yeah, Josh King surprised not to see. But anything else? Um, not, I don't know if I'd be surprised not to see it, but I, I would I would certainly expect it more. Yeah, yeah. and and I would want to see it. Um, either him or Richardson up front. Anyway, mm-hmm. maybe there's a case to drop Richardson and you know, play Bernard. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I, I wonder like... if Rodriguez will start because he had a knock. Antipolitik said he's fit, but he had a knock against Fulham. So whether he'll be used more sparingly, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's, he's got options there. My front three tomorrow would probably be... I would, I would stick with Rodriguez um, because of how good he can be. You wouldn't put a Wolby back on that right side and switch Rodriguez to the middle? I mean, Wobi does provide a little bit more defensive yeah. cover on that right. Yeah. And that's the... Actually, yeah, yeah, let's go with that, I think. Yeah. 
Is that the side I'd Sterling Alan, comes down? Alan, Alan and Decore midfield. James Rodriguez ahead of them. And then Richarlison King and Iwobi. Maybe Bernard King and Iwobi, I don't know. Yeah, um, I would agree. I feel sorry for Decore, though, because he just, he, he, again, he just has to play and... You know, the sooner we get back to one week, it does feel like we're at a point where everyone's kind of overdosed on Everton a bit, doesn't it? Because how many games mm-hmm. over? Yeah. Um, and I remember like in Silver's first year when we had like a 17 day break about this time of the year, and it just felt like a, a bit of a cleansing period. And we came back from that and finished the season really strongly. So it does feel like once we get back to mostly one, one, one game weeks, then that'll be massively beneficial to a team that looks pretty dead on their feet at times at the moment. Yeah. You know, I think... Uh, also, we haven't played... Just one last thing. We haven't played... Besides the team that played like the start of the season, I know we hadn't signed Godfrey then, but that team hasn't played hardly any games together since because of injuries and fitness or whatever. So, um, I would expect there maybe a more return to a more consistent starting 11s when the schedule eases up a bit. No, yeah, I would agree. I would definitely agree with that. Um, and I agree with the changes. I think I think a Wobi probably a Wobi Richarlis a Wobi a Wobi King Richarlison across that front three is probably what you see. Yeah. Um, just because a Wobi provides maybe that little bit more of defensive cover. Um, but uh, predictions for this one, Matthew. What do you got? You say one one. I just fancy Everton to do something in this one. <laughs> I haven't picked an Everton loss this season, so I'm going to go with an Everton loss. I'm going to, I, just, I, I just think that City are going to win this one. I honestly could see it being 3-1 City, but I'll go with 2-1. Give a little bit more hope. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think I've been a little bit too, little bit too optimistic for my liking in, on the pod this year, so um, we'll go with a loss. Uh, we are not going to preview the Liverpool match, but... That doesn't mean we won't have a special pod coming up with a special guest. Um, you guys have to listen to that to find out who it is. Um, but stay tuned. We will have a Liverpool preview before Saturday. Um, but we're not going to preview that today. Um, anything else you want to talk about, Matthew? Nothing that's pretty much covered it. I think this week will obviously be pretty defining. Well, not defining, but, you know, telling week, I think. Um but, you know, weirdly, I don't feel as maybe pessimistic as you would in maybe normal times when when certainly both City and Liverpool are, are flying. So, uh, see how it goes. Certainly learn more about Everton, I think, this week than we have to. Absolutely. Lately, so. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, Matthew, thank you for uh, joining me this week. Appreciate it, as always. Um, and thank you guys for listening out there. We appreciate it. Make sure you guys continue to uh, subscribe, follow, download, do whatever you got to do to get these episodes. Um, Again, we appreciate you guys listening. Talk to you guys next week.